Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. It is good to be in the presence of God. Amen. I just want to remind some of you all, or maybe some of you don't know, you can get in God's presence without all these other people around you. That doesn't have to be just a, a Sunday morning or a Wednesday or a special event thing. You can get in the presence of God. You, if you're a child of God, if not, you can become a child of God <laughs> and come right into the family. Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Confess Him as Lord and, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead and it says you'll be saved. You come into the family of God. You're a new creation. And then you have access to the presence of God anytime. And so, what a blessing that is. If you've grown up, if you grew up in the church like me, you almost don't know, you almost don't know otherwise. But for those of you that you know lived a bit of life before you really gave your heart to the Lord, you know you know the difference between walking with God and not walking with God. There's a big there's a big difference, and the, the presence of God is so key. And uh, really, it does lead us into this part. I wasn't trying to to set that up, but I just I just really want to encourage you to to get in God's presence. During the week, on your own, you've, you've got to you've got to do that, and it kind of ties into the message, I guess. So, uh, it was just a just a reminder that came to me. Practice worshiping God on your own. Practice, because then when the worship leader up front, who just happened to be the pastor too today, <laughs> says, "Hey, speak." Speak your own song. Sing your own song. Speak your own words to God. You're not like, oh, shoot. There's nothing on the screen. <laughs> what do I do now? What do I do now? It's just like anything. You have to practice. You practice and, you, and you, you're more comfortable with it. So you get to practice on your own. And then we, when we all show up here, we're all practiced. And then we all just release our worship unto Jesus. Because that, that's really the goal. It doesn't have to be loud. Doesn't, I mean, there's no, there's no, it doesn't have to be a certain way. But it, it does have to be from the heart. And it's meant to be yours. It's meant to be your worship. Like, what am, what am I bringing? What, what is my offering to God today? What am I, you know, am I, this is somebody else's offering. and helps us get to that point. But it's meant to be my own offering. Anyway, I'm preaching a different message. <laughs> And he's so good. He's so good. Hey, we are in the book of Exodus. If you're, if you're a guest with us or haven't been here for a while, we've been in the book of Exodus since January. And we are now into chapter 33. Uh, we skipped some of the sections. We've, we've, we've skipped a few sections, of course. We haven't done every word in here. But we're hitting the main highlights of Exodus. And so we're actually going to skip to verse 7. 
Exodus 33, verse 7. We're going to deal with uh, the other section uh, maybe next week when we get to it. So, but we have just had, you know, last week we talked about the golden calf and the people walking away and turning back to the worship other gods and the, the faithfulness and the grace of God and then also just the Moses interceding for the people, you know, that Moses stood in the gap for them and said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say, God, you take me instead of them. Kill me. Send me to hell instead of them. And so we saw the heart of Jesus in Moses. There, you know, Jesus shows up all through the Old Testament, not always physically or literally, but he shows up as in other people's lives as a representation to show us who the Savior is and what he was going to do. That's, that's the whole point of the Old Testament is to point us to Jesus, to get us there to him. If you don't get to Jesus from the Old Testament, then you've wasted your time. Don't get stuck in the Old Testament. You have to get to the New Covenant because we're not in the Old Covenant anymore. So, Exodus 33. So what happens right here is the story continues in verses 1 through 6, and then it continues on in, in verse 12. But because this is written by people who are in the Hebrew culture, they just decide to put whatever they want right in the middle. It's almost like a little commercial. Uh, for us, in, what, in Western culture, we like to have stuff all in order, right? We like to have things, this is how things go. Eastern culture is totally different. Uh, the Bible was written in Eastern culture. Sometimes we don't understand it because we're looking at it through our United States Western mindset, and it doesn't make sense. You know, if you, if you go to an Eastern culture uh, and you... the the service starts at 10 o'clock and you get there at 10, guess how many people are going to be there? Almost none. Because time for Eastern culture is not about, you know, we just follow the rules and here's the regiment. The time is we start when it's time to start. When everybody's here that needs to be here, we start. Because it's about community and us. It's not about getting through something. Our Western culture is... Let's accomplish something. Let's start something and let's finish it. Eastern culture is this. Hey, we're all in this together. It's better if we're doing this together. and We're just going to do it together. The other thing about Eastern culture is like they, they like to tell stories, but it doesn't have to be in order because it's the story. It's what is happening in the story and what is going on and what you can learn from the story that happened. It doesn't matter if this happened first or this happened first. Those details don't matter in Eastern culture. So that's why sometimes you read the Bible like, well, it says it's out of order here. It's like they, didn't, they, they intentionally did that. That was their culture. Because what was important was what was happening in the moment, not that we had everything lined up in the exact way that it needs to be. So sometimes we need to take our Western lens off of our Bible reading. So anyway, that's another free message. But that's what's happening here is just that we just kind of jump to something else. By the way, you know, we could think of it as a commercial, uh, but it's, it's not a commercial because this is like actually valuable. So um, Exodus 33 and verse 7. Holy Spirit, open the word to us. We ask you right now in the name of Jesus. Speak to us. Speak to our hearts. Speak through me, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now Moses, verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. 
So now you see why we're talking about something else. We've had Moses on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, coming down, breaks them, the golden calf, goes back up, gets them again, and all this stuff. But we just have an interruption here that says, hey, well, let me tell you about this thing. So some distance away, he called it the tent of meeting. Anyone, everybody say anyone. Anyone. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud, remember they were being led by a visible expression of God's presence. They had a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. So the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. But, this is interesting here, But his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. I still remember when I had a professor in Bible college who led a devotion one morning, and he used this scripture, and I'd never seen it before. I'm sure I'd I'd already read through the Bible, so I know I'd seen it at, at the age of whatever, 18 or 19. And he just... He just highlighted this verse, and it's so interesting. If we don't catch it, we miss that Joshua was with Moses in the tent. Everybody else was at the entrance of their tent, but Joshua, he was, you know, Moses' aide. He was Moses' assistant. But it says, what, it, what does it say? It says, Joshua, he didn't leave the tent. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay here with God a little bit longer. Did it say anybody could go? It did say, this is is not the temple. This is not where they had the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies, where God said, they hadn't built, that that hadn't been built yet. (laughs) They're about to build it. They build it right after this, (laughs) right after 33 and 34. But it hasn't been built yet. But Moses just says, we're going to set up the tent, you know, just a place of meeting God. And anyone can go there and ask the Lord, you know, inquire of the Lord. Anybody can go there and meet God. Now, Moses had a special relationship with God. We know that because of the descriptive language it uses. It says, hey, God actually, you know, had a special relationship with Moses. But Joshua was was so moved by being with Moses, he says, I'm going to stay in this tent. You know, Jesus in the New Testament in John 15 says, you know, abide in me, dwell in me, and you will bear much fruit. You know, my father is the vine dresser or the gardener, but I'm the vine. And if you if you stay connected to me, then you you will be fruitful. What does fruitful mean? You'll have a you'll have a. A life that accomplishes something. You'll have a fruitful life. You'll have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and even 
Self-control. You're like, I don't have, I just can't stop. Well, guess what? Get in the presence of God. Get con- stay connected to Jesus. It's in your relationship with Jesus that you will bear fruit. And Joshua is getting a taste of this right here. He is saying, I cannot get enough of God, so I'm going to stay in the tent of meeting. Why did Joshua become such a great leader? This is one of the reasons, I think. He didn't just go there when he had to. In other words, when the boss man... I don't know how they relate. I don't, we don't know how they related. We just know. I just know in, in Exodus, you'll see over and over again. You know, when Moses goes up the mountain, what does it say? Joshua went up too. Was Joshua down worshiping the golden calf? Uh-uh. Only two people weren't. Moses and Joshua. So same thing. Wherever Moses is going, Joshua is there. He's not... He stops halfway up the mountain. He says, okay, God says I'm going to go up. But he is right there waiting. And so Joshua is everywhere Moses is. And so he is, he is being prepared to be someone who can be transformed and who can be transformative. Because you're not going to be transformative for someone else until you yourself are transformed. What does the Bible say? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? Number one, you read the word of God. Number two, you've got to be in the presence of God. You've got to pray, which means speak to God and listen to God. You've got to wait on God. You've got to be quiet before God. You've got to be still. You've got to learn to listen. You've got to develop a practice of being with Jesus. You know, church culture has, has so permeated, we'll just say the, the United States church it has become of just come on Sunday or just come and you, you come to the meeting and that's where you meet with God. But in the New Testament, God says, guess what? The temple is not a place anymore. You don't have to go to a tent of meeting. You know, you don't have to have a special place set up where you can meet with God because now... If you're a child of the king, what? You're the temple. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to do anything special except you just have to say, God, okay, I'm opening myself up to you. I can be in the presence of God just like that. You don't have to wait for your special worship song. You don't have to wait for your favorite pastor to pray for you. Um, You know, it's probably Pastor Jerry. I know that. (laughs) Come on now. Anyway. You have access to the very presence of God. And Joshua, when he had access to the presence of God, did not leave the tent. You know, he was being prepared. Joshua was being prepared. I don't know if, we don't know for sure if if Joshua quite knew yet that he was going to be the the leader next. That he was going to take over after Moses. I mean, who wants to follow Moses, right? Anybody want to follow Moses? You know, it's like, no. I'd rather, you know, anyway. There's a bunch of other bad people that you could follow. You're like, oh, yeah, no problem. I can be better than that. (laughs) But Moses, he says Moses was the most humble man on the whole face of the earth. He spoke face to face with God like no one had a relationship. You know, Moses to me is just, you know, he's a picture of Jesus, but he's also a picture of, of what God wants with us to have a 
a relationship where he can speak to us like a friend. That's what it says. It says Moses went in there and he spoke to him like a friend. What did Jesus say in the New Testament? I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. What are you becoming? You're becoming like Moses. You got the... You, you know, what does it say in the, in, the, in the New Testament as well? It says, hey, we even have it better than all the people in the Old Testament. Because we have the, His very presence dwelling inside of us. But Joshua, he was preparing himself before he, needed, he knew he needed to get prepared. Sometimes we, this is what we do. This is what I do. I'll just speak for myself. How about that? Is if I have something coming up, then I prepare myself for what I know is coming. But... Are you preparing yourself for what you don't know is coming? How do you get prepared for what you don't know is coming? In the presence of Jesus. In the presence of God. You have got to have your tent right here connecting with Him. You have got to spend time with Him. You've got to let Him speak to you. You've got to let the Holy Spirit make Himself known to you. Because you don't know what's coming. I mean, Joshua was being prepared to lead them into battle in the promised land. And the first battle was what? Where a battle where he had to tell his army, hey, we're just going to dance around and we're just going to march around. And then the last day we get to yell. <laughs> Who put this dude in charge? <laughs> Man, when he went up on that mountain, something must have happened to that guy's head. I mean, did he get hit with the Ten Commandments or what? But Joshua had been prepared because he was getting to know the Lord. So he was prepared for what he did not know that he was going to face by being in the presence of God. We prepare ourselves for the future that we don't know by being in the presence of God, by spending time with Jesus, by dwelling in Him, by asking Him to get to know, for us to get to know Him better. But there's something else that I think we can apply from this passage. I mean, that was, that was the last part of the message first. So, so much for notes. <laughs> but here, here's two perspectives we can also take from this passage. Number one is this. We can take the perspective of Moses, and that's this. Bring someone along and teach them to get to know the Lord. Whenever Moses was doing something with God, guess what? That most of the time, Joshua was there. I don't want to say all the time, because it's, it doesn't say that. But key times in his life, he's like, okay, you're coming up the mountain with me. Okay, we're going, you know, I don't know if he had to go get Joshua or if Joshua was ready, but he's like, I'm going to the tent. Come on. If you know the Lord, if you walk with God for two weeks or two decades or two times three decades, whatever it is, then guess what? You can show somebody else how to walk with Jesus. Some of you are like, don't believe me. <laughs> or that's what your face says. 
That may not be what your heart says, but that's what your face says. You, if you have been walking with Jesus for any amount of time, then you have begun to get to know him. And so you can teach someone else what you know. It's good to bring someone else with you and say, here's how I pray. You have to be praying to do that, right? (laughs) You know what this does? It also forces you to grow. Because if you have to teach someone else to follow Jesus, guess what? It makes you go, I better be following Jesus. But the problem in, in church culture is we decided that there was only a few people that could do that. We decided there was a clergy and a regular people group. There's the clergy and the lay. The Bible, doesn't, that doesn't exist. Everyone is a priest. Everyone is a child. Everyone, everyone is a part of the body of Christ. We're just all called to different things. And so we can be like Moses in that we can say, hey, I'm going to bring you along and show you how I read my Bible. Let me teach you how I give. Let me show you how to tithe. Let me, let me show you what, you know, here's, here's the, you're like, we're not going to do this with everybody, I get that. But here's, here's the money I make, here's the money I give. I want you to show this is how you honor the Lord with your finances. Let me show you how I live with my family. Now again, does it, that puts pressure on you, Right? Because if you're really not living for Jesus, then guess what? You have nothing to teach. It helps motivate you. Sometimes it's good to have motivation in our lives, right? Sometimes it's good, like it's good to have like a deadline for something. You know, have you ever seen how a deadline helps you? You know, like college, right, Jerry? When you were at college, like, get, how do you know what night you're finishing the paper? Well, it's due the next morning. That's how you know. If it's due Friday, guess what? I'm finishing it Thursday night or early Friday morning. Some of y'all maybe were really good and you finished it early. Anybody do that? Anybody finish their papers early? Oh, I knew it. <laughs> A couple of you people, you're like, no, I don't want that pressure. But okay, that's fair enough. I think, yeah, way smarter. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing what you can do in one night, though. <laughs> right, Jerry? <laughs> I vaguely remember. It's been 25 more years ago. But, uh, oh, man. There's a, there's a, you know, sometimes you just need motivation. So whatever that motivation is for you, if, if it's deadline. But, you know, it's good motivation to motivate you to say, you know, if you bring someone along in your life and say, I'm going to teach you to follow Jesus, then you're like, I better follow Jesus. And I think that's good, because then guess what? They also get to see that you don't always follow Jesus. What do you do when you mess up? What do you do when when it doesn't go right? What do you do when you're not perfect? What do you do when you say something you shouldn't, shouldn't say? And then you get to show them how to repent. Then you get to show them how to ask somebody else for forgiveness. Then you get to say, this is what we do. I, make, I have to make things right because I said this thing and I shouldn't have said it. So I have to now go back to that person. I have to make an awkward, special communication with somebody. 
But that's what Moses did with Joshua. He said, here's how you become a leader. Here's how you meet with God. Here's how you hear from God. Here's how you, hear, how you, how you dispense what God has given to the people. He was, he was watching. In Mark 3, verse 14, it says this, that Jesus called his disciples. He appointed 12 that they what? Might be with him. And that he might send them out to preach. Which came first? The with or the preach? The with. How did Jesus train up 12 people? He didn't get 100%, right? He was only 11 out of 12. Even Jesus didn't get an A plus on training people. What does that mean? Just a good reminder that if you're teaching somebody and they mess up, it does, it's not necessarily on you. Because Jesus was perfect, right? Everybody good on that Jesus was perfect? Jesus did everything right for Judas, and it's still he still turned away from Jesus. So you can do everything right. So anyway, just get rid of that perfection mindset. Uh, but Jesus showed us how to, how to lead people. He said, hey, come be with me. Come be with me. Let me show you how I live life. And this is one of the best ways to disciple somebody. Yeah, we need, we need knowledge of the scriptures. Yeah, we can, do, we can get stuff in classes and all those things. We're not going to stop doing those things. But that's not the way that Jesus primarily discipled people. He said, hey, come follow me. You know, like Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. What did that mean? Hey, you got to be with me. What did Paul do? Did, how many, did Paul always have people with him? When he was doing his ministry. When he got arrested, no. When he was doing his ministry, yeah. He didn't ever go out by himself. He was almost always had somebody with him. He's like, okay, Timothy. Okay, Silas. Okay, Barnabas. We're, we're going, I have someone with me who is being raised up. I have someone with me who is, who is learning and growing. And so we can be like Moses where we can say... Who am I supposed to take with me? Who am I supposed to help a little bit? Who am I supposed to give a little bit of my time and invite them into my life of following Jesus because your life of Jesus is important and it can be multiplied in somebody else? Who are you bringing with you to walk with the Lord? The second thing is this. You can be like Joshua. We already talked about one thing, which is Personally, stay in the tent. Personally, connect with God Himself on your own. But it's also like this. Who, find somebody who you want to follow as they follow Christ. Find someone else to say, man, I'd really like to be like them. Well, maybe don't have to do it as awkwardly as that. Like, hey, I'd really like to be like you. <laughs> You might just say it like this. Hey, I really, I really love the way that when we're doing Bible studies, just like you share about the Word. Can, can, we, can you tell me about how you read the Word and how do, you, how do you hear God through what you're reading? Hey, I, I see that, man, you're super expressive in your worship and I see that your heart is free. And I really, I just feel like I don't have that freedom. How do, I, how do I get to that place of freedom? 
And then guess what? When you're asking that person that, right, they're already feeling good, right? Because <laughs> everybody wants to know, hey, I have, something to, I have something that's valuable to somebody else. Sometimes it's good for us to find somebody else and say, I, you know, it's not about, we're not talking about like, you know, that bad part of wanting to be like someone else, like that, look, I wish I were them and had their life or that, you know, oh, they're perfect, everything's good for them. No, we're not talking about that, that thing. What we're talking about is, is a good thing of saying like, I, I see something in you that I want to learn from and I want to grow and, and, and get a little bit of that from you. So let's, can we have a conversation? Can we spend some time together? Because when you spend time together with someone, that's when you get to know their heart. That's when you get to know, the, hey, how do you, how do, you do this? Um, you know, I, I, I love the, the ones in my life, the, the, the leaders in my life and the people in my life who've, just, who've taken time to say, here's what we do. I mean, I had, I had leaders do that as, as pastors. That he, you know, Pastor, pastor Charlie Krause actually did it for nine months for me. He was actually an interim pastor here before my dad, but he was our pastor in Austin for just, just nine months. He, he would just go like, here, he would say, here, let me tell you, here's what I'm thinking as I walk into the room. Here's, here's how I plan. Here's how I study. Here's how I prepare a sermon. Here's, how I, here's what I'm thinking about. Here, here's how I'm processing this. this is, you know, he, he, would, he was just showing me how do you lead a church? How do you be a pastor? I mean, we catch things, right? Things are caught, right? But if we rely on everything just to be caught, guess what? We drop balls sometimes. <laughs> just the reality. Everybody drops the ball. <laughs> so if we're waiting on everybody just to catch the football or the baseball that I'm throwing on Sunday morning, psh, 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 some of you don't even got gloves on. You're going to get smacked in the face with it. And you're like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I don't even know what the pastor said today. It just hit me in the face, but it, it just hurt. <laughs> and I don't know whether to be mad at him or to love him more or what. So we can't rely on everybody just catching everything. We need to spend time together doing what God has called us to do, walking in relationship with him. And so... Here's just a couple of applications. Number one, pray and ask God. Ask God, is there somebody in my life that you want me to pour into? Doesn't have to be in this room. We're not talking. We're not trying to limit it to the church, you know, our church or anything. We're just saying, who is God telling you? Hey, you need to, You need to find a way to spend time with this person. Find a way. Look, we're all busy. You can't do this with twenty people. You, Jesus somehow did it with 12. <laughs> Different culture, though. I mean, they basically just lived together and lived life together. That's, that's the way Jesus did it with 12. But if you're gonna do, you can't do it with 12 unless you're going to live in the same house. So unless you're moving in, <laughs> nobody's moving in my house, just to clear that up. <laughs> that's it. You got the new dog, and that's the limit. <laughs> Oh my goodness! It's amazing how a two-pound thing can, can, you know, take control of everything at once, um, for a brief time. So, we since we don't live together like they did in this culture back then, we have to find ways intentionally to connect, right? 
And so we're probably not going to be able to do that with a bunch of people, but I might be able to do it with one, maybe two. So is there somebody that God is putting on your heart or has been putting on your heart? You're like, man, I always think about this person. Well, ask the Lord why. (laughs) Are you just supposed to be praying for them? Or are you supposed to be praying with them? Are you supposed to be doing something with them or just praying for them? Maybe God's just having you pray for them. I'm not saying that everyone, but ask the Lord to show you. But also ask God to say, hey, is there someone else that I need in my life? Is there someone else that I need to glean from? I need them to pour into my life. Everybody can't pick Ronnie Maven, okay? Sorry. I mean, he is retired, so he's a little bit more time, right? But, you know, he, he still has a few things he has to do. But we, we all can't pick Ronnie or, you know, whoever we think is, you know, has, I, they, they have something that I need. They have, they have a relationship with God that, that I, I honestly desire, not in a negative way, but in a positive way. I just, I just need, I need to grow from that. I need to find out how you get to know Jesus like that. And the third thing is this. Find a way to intentionally get time in the presence of God. You have, to, you have to schedule this, I think. Most likely you will have to schedule it. If you have small children, look, grace, grace and peace to you. Okay? We all know that it's a, you're in the season of life. It will come to an end someday. But find five minutes. Find ten minutes. And say, God, I'm going to get in your presence. I'm going to be quiet before you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read the word. Do something to connect with Jesus. You know, Pete Scazzaro, who's a a leader who wrote several books called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and basically talks about different ways to connect with God, is he calls it the daily office. Uh, I don't like the word office per se. It sounds like work. <laughs> Anybody? Anybody hear me? You know, office sounds like work, but so maybe you want to call it the the daily connection, whatever. But he has times throughout his day where he just schedules to stop whatever he's doing and put his focus on the Lord. It's not always it's not like a thirty minute devotional. It's not like that, but it's 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 scheduled times throughout the day. And I, I think he did did he have to like put it program it in his watch or phone or something. At first, just to like to have an alarm go off to say, okay, it's time to stop and think about the Lord. Stop what I'm doing, if you can. I mean, if you're driving, don't just like close your eyes. <laughs> Pastor said to stop. It, the alarm just went off. Sorry, guys. You know, stop what you're doing as long as you can <laughs> or as soon as you can and say, okay, God, I'm putting my focus on you. I'm going to step outside my office if I can for five minutes. I'm going to, I'm going to close the door for a few minutes and say, okay, I'm, I'm shutting out everything else except I'm putting my focus on you. I'm saying I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. Now, if you're the Eastern culture mindset, then just let it go with the flow, right? <laughs> Most of us, it, that doesn't work for us. It, it just doesn't work for us. And so it's good to just pick times to say, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to spend 
a certain amount of time with the Lord. I'm going to set aside time to do that. And also throughout my day, I'm going to stop and take some time and turn my eyes toward Jesus, turn my focus towards Him. And it's going to be like me staying in the tent like Joshua. Thank you, Lord. Well, let's stand. Let's stand. Father, we, we just thank you. Lord, we just pray that, Lord, as we take the, this practical application, God, that this wouldn't just be something that we, we write down a few things and we go home and we forget about it. Lord, we, we do invite you to have a conversation with us about our time and who we spend our time with for the purpose of your kingdom, Lord. For the purpose of, of our children, Lord, for the purpose of our grandchildren, for the purpose of our city, for the purpose of our nation, God, that if every single one of the followers of Jesus gets in the presence of Jesus, then things will change. At least we'll change. We'll be transformed. Our minds will be changed. We'll think differently. We'll begin to hear your voice more clearly. We'll have more peace. We'll have more joy. We'll have more self-control. Because Holy Spirit, you'll be filling our life. And we'll be connected to the vine, to Jesus, the source of life. And out of that life, that will become a blessing. So, Lord, we just, we just invite you, God. To remind us, Lord, we're going to leave this place and have all kinds of things going on. And we might forget, but just remind us, Lord. We invite you to remind us and bring back to memory what you were speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you all need prayer, is there, is there anybody that needs healing in their body? Come on up. We want to pray for you before you leave. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior... Come talk to one of us leaders up here. But there'll be a few of us up here that are willing to pray for you, with you, as long as we need to. Uh, Be blessed as you go. And if you're able, we'll see you on Wednesday evening.